Hi, I'm Joan Goodchild, Director of Multimedia Content with ISMG. Today, our guest is Imran Ahmad. He is a partner in the Toronto office of the law firm Miller Thompson and specializes in cybersecurity, technology, and privacy. He's also the national leader of the cybersecurity and data protection practice within Miller Thompson. Additionally, he's going to be a featured speaker in our upcoming Fraud and Breach Summit in Toronto next week. But today, we're talking about Equifax and the headline-making breach that everyone in cybersecurity is talking about. In fact, everyone around the country and in Canada is talking about it today as well because it has such wide-reaching implications. So thank you for joining us to discuss this. Thanks, Joan. Tell me about how you can put this in context for us. I mean, how big is this compared to some of the other large notable breaches that we've been talking about in recent months? So if I had to take a look at, at the Equifax breach and what's been announced publicly, uh, it seems to be right up there when you look at OPM or even the Target and Home Depot breaches that occurred a couple of years back. Um, significant in many, many ways. Um, you have a lot of folks whose information, obviously 143 million accounts that have been compromised potentially. You have uh, financial information, credit card details, social security information, compromised. You have multi-jurisdictional issues as well. It's not just American accounts that have been compromised, but also those of Canadians and folks in other jurisdictions as well. There's not a lot of information on that, but they have disclosed that it has a reach beyond the U.S. as well. So there's, I think in terms of scope and, and importance of the breach, it's very significant. And uh, if you look at the Yahoo breach, which by numbers seem to be larger with 1 billion accounts potentially accessed, the big distinction between this and that breach was Yahoo was a breach where it wasn't clear what information had been stolen specifically. They simply knew that username and passwords and, and access to accounts may have occurred. And, and there may have been actually a subset of that, which was relatively smaller than the 1 billion mark, which would have been technically compromised. In this case, uh, on, in, for Equifax, you've got 143 million accounts, but the quality of the data that's been potentially compromised, financial information, social security, name, address, is very valuable to cyber criminals. Uh, what these guys are looking for, quite frankly, uh, are high value bits of information. So that includes financial information, health records, and the reason they like these information or these types of data, because they can very easily in the dark net uh, sell these and create virtual profiles of individuals uh, and sell them to other folks. Uh, so they'll be able to make, for example, $40 a pop, potentially up to one account if they've got a really robust virtual uh, profile on an individual versus a credit card information, which may just be a couple of bucks on the on the dark net. So there's real value in, in the quality of the information. And based on some of the press releases that the company has issued and some of the analysis which has been going on over the past 24 hours, it seems like um, the hackers got quite a bit of uh, valuable information. Equifax is certainly getting a lot of criticism today about its timing. The breach was discovered in July, but we're just hearing about it today. Fair to criticize? So what I found interesting uh, in, in looking over the, the press release that was issued by Equifax and some of the subsequent reporting that's occurred over the past 24 hours was that the, yeah, the cyber intruders were able to get access to the information and were in the system of Equifax anywhere between May and end of July. So the company was clearly aware by the end of July something had gone wrong and that they needed to do something. They did take about a month or so uh, before they actually made the announcement yesterday where people were a bit more cynical about the announcement date was also the fact that the announcement came after market close so as to not affect their stock value. Uh, nevertheless, their stock did decline um, about 12% in early 
market trading. What what's interesting also is the quality of the information that was uh, that was compromised, financial information, is typically considered to be very very valuable, and under you know state legislation, under European legislation, which is going to be kicking in, there's a global data protection regulations which will be coming into force in May of 2018, where parties have to inform affected parties of a breach within 72 hours or sooner. In Canada, you're going to be having similar legislation kicking in where you, where you have to identify the individuals who are going to be affected by the breach and contact them as soon as possible when, where they can actually mitigate the damages uh, flowing from it. In this case, Equifax seems to have waited about a month despite the fact that they had a very good reason to believe that key information, financial information, in particular social security numbers as well, were compromised in this breach. Um, when a month has passed, it's very difficult at that point for an individual whose, whose information was compromised to take mitigating steps to limit the damages that would flow from it. So uh, there are a lot of question marks in terms of how they would have handled this. And quite frankly, I wouldn't be surprised if it would lead to some exposure from a litigation standpoint. What is the potential for litigation? So the first thing that comes to mind is, is potential class action litigation. You have a significant number of individuals who have been affected by this breach. Um, and the question is going to be, how did Equifax, the primary question is going to be, how did Equifax handle the discovery and then the response to the breach? Um, and typically what the class is going to try to demonstrate if they want to be successful is that they did not act diligently, that they did not act quickly enough, or that they made some kind of a key error in terms of the handling of the incident. Um, in this case, you know, it'll be up to Equifax to defend themselves to demonstrate, you know, we had a plan in place before the breach occurred. The moment we discovered, we quickly implemented the right protocols and policies, and then we went and informed individuals when we felt it was appropriate uh, to do so. And that's really going to be what the case would hinge on. That's number one from a, from a, uh, class action standpoint. In, in other jurisdictions, such as Canada and Europe, you're going to have a situation where you may have something called tort law in Canada, where a group of people, again, as a class, can say that there was negligence involved, but it would be relying on common law concepts. And then in Europe, you have legislation which is already in place, which is the predecessor to GDPR, where you may have individuals going under statutory rights to be able to sue uh, Equifax if European accounts had been compromised. You're appearing on a panel next week at our upcoming Fraud and Breach Summit in Toronto, and the topic is the core elements of a data security action plan. How do you think what we're talking about today will play into that discussion next week? One of the first things that clients ask is, we've had an incident, or we, we are afraid we may have an incident in the future. What should we be doing today to prepare for that? And, and the courts are very, very clear on this. If an organization has not dedicated time and resources to prepare for a potential of a breach, um, and that they're sort of scrambling on the fly to figure out what to do when an incident does occur, at that point, you know, there's a good argument to be made that they were not acting diligently and there may have been even some negligence involved, given that pretty much every organization today is digital or has digital assets. So what the emphasis in, there are several court cases, and the Home Depot case comes to mind, in particular the one in Canada, where uh, the judge said that Home Depot had an exemplary, and that was the language used by the judge, exemplary a reaction to the breach that occurred. They were able to execute it very quickly, hence limiting the damage to the individuals who were affected. 
But all of that was flowing from the fact that Home Depot had spent quite a bit of time and effort preparing for a potential breach, putting in places like protocols and policies, training their staff, having a crisis management um, strategy ready to go, both from a public relations call center and other type of um, tactics that need to be used in those kind of circumstances. So Home Depot was viewed as being an exemplary uh, response to a breach. And as a result, the settlement uh, award was actually significantly reduced to only, a, I mean, a, quite frankly, a relatively small amount of $200,000 or so. Um, and I think that's what we're gonna take away from this one. I think Equifax's response is going to be increasingly scrutinized. It's a public company, first of all. Second of all, it's multi-jurisdictional. Um, and every statement that they're going to be making, the investigations that are going to be going on, and the litigation that's going to ensue is going to scrutinize the fact whether or not Equifax had invested time and effort and resources to make sure that they were prepared for this eventuality. And it's against that backdrop that the response is going to be evaluated and, uh, and assessed. Imran Ahmad, thank you for joining us today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. For ISMG, I'm Joan Goodchild.